Welcome to just another podcast. Nope, this is not. This is innovative. It's new. It's exciting. This is the Together Podcast, and you are listening to it. One of our first episodes. So welcome. If you're a first timer, an extra big welcome to you. Today we're discussing a very exciting, relevant topic, and that is the role of tradition in our modern society. And at the time of recording, it's Easter, and so we're particularly looking at traditions around Easter. We've got Travis with us, a very knowledgeable guest who's done quite a journey around this topic, so I'm really looking forward to hearing his insights. So let's get into that right now. Hi, Travis. Uh, well, thank you for being on this with me today. Yeah. Hi, Tom. It's a pleasure. Uh have you been a podcaster before or is this the first? Nice. First time I've been on a podcast. So it's a milestone for me. Oh, fantastic. We, uh, we like first time guests. They're always more interesting than the uh, seasoned practiced ones. <laughs> Very good. So you're just going for normal people. Are you happy to be called a normal person, Travis? Absolutely. <laughs> good. So tell everyone a little bit about yourself, um, who you are in a few sentences. Sure. So um, I'm Travis. I, I live in Ipswich um, and I am um, married and I have a five-year-old daughter uh, who started prep this year and is absolutely loving it, which is great for us. I, uh, I work as a community worker and I have done for over 10 years now. So I'm very passionate about building community um, and um, healthy relationships and creating sense of belonging um, amongst people um, in their relationships with each other and within the place that they live. So, um, yeah, I, my hobbies, I guess I, I like to um, potter around in the garden, grow some fruit and vegetable, um, swimming and uh, surf life-saving. Sound like a pretty interesting guy. Um, so have there been any defining moments in your life so far, Travis? Yeah. Um, gosh. I think um, one of the most defining moments for me was probably um, – going over to Ethiopia when I was in my early twenties and doing some volunteer work over there. And just um, seeing community, I guess, um, amongst poverty, material poverty, uh, but seeing a real rich connection and sense of belonging and connectedness to culture, to, to um, family, to community, to location, to um, religion and it just it, it really stirred in me um, this this real sense of wanting to be a part of that and understand it more so when I uh, returned home I um, enrolled at university and changed course in careers um, having up until that point worked as an electrician so that was a real um, pivotal point in my life that totally changed trajectory and kind of put me where I am today. Yeah. What, what made you decide to go to Ethiopia? Um, well, there was an opportunity at church that came up. Um, and so 
um, a small group of us decided to head over there and see if we could help out and just do some volunteer work through some of the connections that um, one of the guys in the church had. Hmm. So would you say faith is an important part of your life? Yeah, I would, I would say, well, yeah, I, I guess I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus and um, I'm, a, I'm a seeker um, in regards to understanding God and knowing God and experiencing God. Um, and I, I use the Christian tradition, the Christian faith in order to work it out. So what does following Jesus mean for you? Hmm. I guess following Jesus for me is, is trying to, to know who the father is, um, or God, who God is. And, and I do that through a number of ways. One is through trying my best to, um, live a life of love and, um, peace and and the other fruits of the spirit and the other is trying to connect um to god through creation through centering prayer through relationships with people um yeah and i guess that that's to to me following jesus is seeking after god and um trying to know more in in that area Hmm. That's good. One of the things that we're going to address on this podcast particularly is the role of tradition in modern life. And I know that you've uh, investigated a few of the Christian traditions, including Lent. Mm. Um, Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I guess um, I, I I was looking for... So you hear a lot of people, a lot of people in the West um, or a lot of people who grew up Christian or who were identified with Christianity who, who kind of um, go out and look to the East for um, ways of practicing spirituality. So Buddhism and, and um, Taoism and Taoism and stuff like that. Um, and there was a point in my time in my life where I was really looking for more embodied ways of connecting with God, not just, um, you know, theological ways of connecting with God. And I thought, surely there's something in our tradition um, that that is embodied. Surely there's ways that we connect with God that that have been there all along. And so that I set out, you know, doing, exploring and looking at things. And as, as somebody who grew up in evangelical circles, um, the liturgical calendar wasn't something that I was familiar with. And so part of <clears throat> my, my search, um, I came across Lent. Mm-hmm. And so I started to look into what Lent is about. And so, so Lent is about um, giving, I guess, enter, entering, in, it, entering into a space of the unknown, in, in, into a space of darkness um, in preparation for Easter. And so part of that is to give up something. It's, it's to sacrifice something that you would normally, um, you know, enjoy and get pleasure from and putting that aside for six weeks mm. in order to kind of just really focus on connecting with God more and getting, and I guess feel, you feel it in your body when, when you're used to having something or you, 
gives you pleasure and it's no longer there available for you just to have when you want. So it's, it's a real um, disciplined um, way of kind of seeking God. And I experimented with that a number of years ago. And, um, and the first year I really struggled with it, but then I found myself um, longing for Lent as the as the months passed by and getting excited when Lent was coming and so I've, I've been doing it um, ever since right have you given up the same thing every time was it changed um no it changes um there's been there's been a consistent um thing so I, I don't mind uh, a red wine or a, or, or a beer um and so um I give up every year I've given up um alcohol consumption and then there's other things that I give up or introduce um, as a discipline to kind of be committed to um, each each Lent. Mm. And so, so for example, this this Lent just gone, um, I made a commitment that I would do centering prayer every day, um, and that that I, I wouldn't break um, that. That every day I would do it for 20 minutes, um, and I decided that. Um, I wanted to to read a book um, during Lent that um, that I was committed to making sure that I, I gave up. I put the time aside to read this certain book. Yeah, can you just uh, briefly tell us about centering prayer? What that looks like? Yeah, sure. So centering prayer is um, it's it's contemplative prayer, or what's called Christian contemplation. And so it's just a matter of sitting quiet um, and still for for anywhere you know, from five to 20 minutes and it's just emptying em- emptying your mind of all the thoughts and all the distractions and and all the noise that kind of accumulates during a day and just being in the presence of god and just allowing yourself to be filled um with god and and it yeah it's, it's just a time of peace and communion with god hmm and you've uh, you've done this every day during the Lent. Um, is it something that you will continue regularly? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's a discipline that I want to maintain outside of Lent, um, and and I do do it outside of Lent. But I find that sometimes life gets really busy, and I can kind of push that down the priority list a bit. Whereas um, during Lent, I was like. I will do it regardless. So I try to do it in the morning, but sometimes my mornings get hijacked and the day gets away. But before I do anything else, uh, before I go to bed at night, I make sure that I, I, I do my um, my time of contemplation. Hmm. I'm sure there'd be people that are interested in in giving this a bit more of a look, giving this a go. Um, do you say anything for those people, anything to help get started yeah so i guess a good a good place to start with it is um, the contemplative outreach community and so you can just type that into your favorite search engine and um, something will come up there and it's um it's kind of been driven by um the now past father thomas keating and so he kind of was a, a key instigator in um revitalizing this practice because it's an ancient practice it's not something that's just been developed you know in the, in the 20th century it's something that has been a part of the christian tradition for, for for hundreds of years 
Mm. But yeah, so contemplative outreach. I find it interesting that you talk about a community because people would probably think this is quite a private individual thing, but it's not, it's, it's something that's important to do in community. Would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there, there are communities out there that, that do meet and practice centering prayer. Um, and there, there's not that many in, um, in Southeast Queensland, but in other parts of the world, it's, it's quite strong and, um, and big, but yeah, they're out there. Yeah. So apart from Lent, are there any other traditions you've looked into? Um, so within the liturgical calendar, we've got Advent. So that's the, that's the, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's a, another beautiful time of kind of just preparing the heart for, for Christmas and, and this, the, the celebration of um, Christmas. And so that's another time of giving up something in order to kind of get your heart and your mind and your body centered and, and focused on God and, and the season that's coming up. Um, and there's the, yeah, there's the, the centering prayer um pilgrimage there's there's pilgrimage which is which is quite interesting i've been looking into that um i kind of only really discovered that at the start of covid so i haven't had a an opportunity to really engage in any of that but it's definitely something i want to explore in the future Mm. how would you say these traditions you've you've looked into and you've been practicing have enriched uh your faith Hmm. So I, I see faith, spirituality um, as, as a part of learning, as a part of growth, a part of development of, of who we are, who I am as an individual. And so how I best learn is through experience, is kinesthetic learning, is uh, embodied learning. And so the, these traditions, these practices are actually quite embodied. They're, they're not necessarily about thinking the right thing or intellectualizing theology. It's actually about getting out of your head and into your body and experiencing God through, through, through that, through, through your body. Um, and so I find it's actually growing in me a deeper longing and commitment to um, my, my faith and to seeking God and in following Jesus. When you say experiencing God, can you just describe that a little bit? Has have there been particular experiences, for example, where you felt closer? Yes, like sometimes it can be just in a like um, this. This last summer, I started swimming in the mornings and this time at the moment is beautiful at five o'clock in the morning because you'll start swimming in the dark with the stars above you and um sometimes there's not a there's not a single person in the pool um and you'll transition from the darkness with the stars to finishing the swim with the sun rising and the the trees and the birds and it's just beautiful 
And in that beauty, in that absolute beauty, there is God who created that. And, and so that to me is an experience of God. And, and sometimes even when I'm sitting in silence, I'll just, I'll just have this, this just sense of peace and this, um, this stillness and, and you just, yeah, if I feel connected to God. I feel like I'm experiencing God and, and that, you know, I'm in good hands. It's, yeah. Um, they're rare because a lot of the time my mind's just going crazy and thinking, 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 and there's this battle of trying to return back to the breath and centering. But there are moments where it's like 20 minutes just goes by and it's, I come out of it refreshed and, and, and really good. Mm. These are, this is probably universal uh, in our culture at the moment, the, the distraction and the, the racing mind and the, the notifications everywhere. Uh, how have you tried to escape some of that? Hmm. It's, it's, it's about trying, for me, it's about trying to be present and not impulsively reaching for the phone or impulsively getting onto the computer to check email or, or check something, but trying and, and also trying to um, not always have to take my phone with me when I do something. So if I'm out in the yard doing work, not feeling like I need to have my phone on me at that time, like I can leave it in the house and go out and spend a couple of hours in the yard and just be okay with not being contactable or, or know what's going on. So that there's, there's stuff like that. Um, I try have moments where I don't necessarily read or listen or watch any sort of news. And if I do, if I do get the news when I'm in that stage, I might buy the news, the weekly newspaper and read the weekly newspaper to see what happened the week before. Um, so that's a really fun and interesting thing to do because you know, you, big stuff has happened and you're not even aware of it until you read it after the fact. Mm-hmm. And, and it's good because you don't get caught up in constantly having to keep on top of it and follow and, and be, you know, be knowledgeable of everything as it's unfolding. Um, mm. So, yeah, little, little things like that I try and just implement in my life from time to time, um, which, which helps with that. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just getting away from it getting outside, like you're saying, without your phone. That's, that's good. Just one more question. Um, what do you think is the significance of Easter for us in today's modern society? Um, one of the traditions that we're sort of celebrating at the moment in, in various ways, how do you think it's still, uh, important? Yes. So I think Easter is important in, in, on two levels. One is, I guess, the, the traditional level, the fact that this is a, you know, it's, it's a religious um, occasion that um, is filled with beautiful, challenging and important imagery and symbols and story, um, which, is, which has been around for hundreds of years. Um, 
And the other is that it's also a time of connection of families and friends coming together and spending time together and just opting out of the busy, hurried, consumer-driven, materialistic world with which we live in today. So I think both of them hold a place within our society today. And I think with, you know, the acceleration of technology and, um, you know, online shopping and social media, the, just the simple fact of people coming together and spending time with one another and resting and pausing and, you know, celebrating life is something to, I think, be cherished. Um, but with the traditional side of things, um, I see like the pattern of Easter is, is beautiful because you've got life and then you've got death and then you've got resurrection all within this space. And to me, that is, that, that is a cosmic pattern that exists um, all the time. With every breath, we breathe in a breath and we hold it and we breathe out a breath. There's, there's just this constant movement and flow um, between life, death and rebirth or resurrection. And, you know, another way of saying it is order, disorder and reorder. So, you know, you had before the cross, you had this, this world of order, you know, Jesus and the disciples doing their ministry. Jesus is crucified. And then all of a sudden the world just disintegrates and the disciples don't know what to do with themselves. And there's this disorder. What are we going to do? Who are we now without Jesus? And then on the third day, you have this reorder, this resurrection where Jesus comes and everything's changed. Nothing's the same as what it was before the resurrection. Nothing was the same. What it, nothing is the same compared to what it was on the Saturday. And so coming out of that on Sunday is this, this whole new order of things, this whole new way of things. And that pattern exists all around us all the time. And, and we shouldn't be afraid of it. And to me, Easter is a reminder of, of that cosmic pattern that exists and, and that we shouldn't forget that cycle, you know, for the other 362 days of the year. 365, or I guess you're counting that's three, are you? Three days exactly. of Easter. Very good. Well, I've really uh, enjoyed our chat, Travis. Thank you. Thanks so much. Lots of interesting things you've said. Uh, if people want to contact you and maybe have a conversation with you, is there any way they could do that? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty old school. So uh, email is probably the way to contact me. So um, do you want me to? Yeah, if you're happy to. Yeah, I'm happy for you to put that. Yeah, I'll put that somewhere. People can contact okay. me and I'll I'll pass it on. Sure. Thank you. Trustworthy people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Tom, and happy Easter to you and, and to the listeners. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. And you too. So some questions to consider this week. What traditions do you value most? Why? What traditions have served their purpose. How do we balance traditions from the past and innovation and moving forward? And how is the tradition of Easter still important today? Now, this podcast together is all about community. So we encourage you to go and discuss these questions with people in your life and as well as that, you have the opportunity to join one of our social media pages. 
Just search Haven Together and share your opinions, share your thoughts around this. When it comes to traditions, often things get added through the years and the tradition ends up looking quite different to what it did originally. Sometimes this is just changing with the times, staying relevant. Other times, some of the meaning can be lost. So it's important to go back, I think, to the the source of the tradition. so We can see what the original intent and meaning was behind it. And so therefore, we're going to go to a scripture reading now about first Easter, the origins of Easter. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon because of an eclipse of the sun. Then the veil of the temple was torn down the middle. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. How is that? How is that still relevant today? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for you? Thank you, Shahid, for reading that for us. We're now going to listen to a hymn, How Great Thou Art, played for you by Lily. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed, and sings my soul, my Savior God, to me, how great thou art, how great thou art. Sings my soul, my Savior God to me. How great thou art, how great And when I think that God is Son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take. to the end of our episode today thank you for joining us and remember spend some time discussing this with people in your life what are the traditions that matter what are the traditions that we should 
uphold in our society? And how have they changed over the years? Now, if you have enjoyed it, please share the word. Spread the word about this podcast because we are only beginning and we rely on our listeners like you that have listened all the way to the end. Thank you very much. And I hope that you'll be able to tune in again next week. Stay safe, stay well. And until then, I'm Tom and this is the Together Podcast.